Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer at the New York Stock Exchange. David Faber is going to join us in a moment. Pre-market giving back some of yesterday's rally as we dive into some consumer names today. At least five Fed speakers after Chair Powell's remarks on inflation on Tuesday as well. Our roadmap is going to begin, though, with trouble in deal land. British regulators say Microsoft's Activision takeover could harm gamers. Plus the consumer checkup. Chipotle sees customers pulling back. Uber with its strongest quarter ever. And Yum! Brand CEO David Gibbs is going to join us exclusively this hour. And then both Zoom and eBay join the ranks of tech companies announcing some significant layoffs. Let's begin, though, with Microsoft Activision. The U.K.'s Competition and Markets Authority says its investigation found that a merger between the two would stifle competition and harm gamers. The antitrust watchdog expressing concerns about cloud and console gaming. Microsoft says it is committed to assuaging the regulators' concerns, while Activision says it hopes it'll be able to help the CMA better understand the industry, Jim. Continued pushback on on all this regulatory pressure. Yeah, this deal is going to fail. And I think we all have to own it. Yesterday, Bobby Kodak put up a spirit of defense. But look, they don't like the deal. I mean, this is like the Simon Schuster deal they didn't like. These regulators are different now, whether they're Britain or here. They just think that everybody's a loser on a combination who's not a shareholder. And Britain's no different from us. They feel that this hurts gamers. Now, to some degree, it's almost impossible to believe that this is happening. That the gamer class has to be protected. Uh, I mean, of of the different groups that need to be protected, I'm putting the gamers not very high. But... They might, I mean, it's, you know, it's the writers in the Simon Schuster, here's the gamers, less choice. But I think that the, the companies in this country, and uh, they have to start recognizing that regulators don't like deals, whether it be uh, the Russians with the DuPont Rogers deal or, or this. They don't like deals. It's a new world. And you got to be prepared to sue when the regulators block you. This is a new low in terms of who they're trying to protect. Yeah, uh, for sure. Of course, uh, Faber was early in helping us concentrate on the UK right. element of all of this. And David joins us uh, on the phone, I think, uh, from the road today. David, what do you think of uh, this latest chapter? Yeah, uh, thanks, guys. Sorry for the background noise. I'm at an airport. But, um, you know, to quote the Princess Bride, I think after checking with any number of people who obviously analyze these things and have take, uh, taken a close look at uh, the notice of remedies, summary and everything else, they probably say this deal's mostly dead. Um, not entirely dead. Uh, you know, maybe it can be brought back to life in some way, but it seems unexpected. It's hard to put percentages on it, but I've asked people and gotten anywhere from 75 to 90 percent. They think the chances are against the Microsoft being able to figure out a way to meet the objections of the U.K. regulators while still preserving the value of the deal itself. Um, they point to paragraph 44 of the Notice of Remedies, which would you know, seem to be very hard to get around in terms of what the U.K. is looking at. Uh, as a substantial lessening of competition. One bright note, perhaps, cited, though, is uh, uh, 
27B, paragraph 27B of the summary, where at least they do point to it seeing the emerging cloud um, area as being their main area of concern. Of course, what's interesting, and to Jim's point in a sense, is these regulators and where they are right now, there is no, uh, the market doesn't exist. You can't stream Call of Duty uh, right now. So they're talking about something that doesn't exist and they're objecting to it, uh, potentially. Uh, you know, and the question from Microsoft would become, could you sever off Call of Duty in the U.K.? Um, very hard to imagine. Are there other assets that you could sell to meet these regulators' concerns? Hard to know. Uh, can you do a 15-year deal with Sony to allow them for streaming a cloud, you know, for a cloud-based service? Maybe, but is that going to be enough? So, guys, you know, it would seem that this is uh, a very significant moment for Microsoft in terms of really making a decision here as what it wants to do as it faces significant opposition from regulators in the U.K. Doesn't mean it's completely dead, but as I said, it does seem to be, let's call it, mostly dead. Yeah, I mean, David, this protected class of gamers, I know it's been a lawsuit in Northern uh, California. Uh, they're talking about how this would foreclose rivals, limit uh, output, reduce consumer choice, and raise prices. David, is there any certainty to any one of those things, you think? No, no, I don't. Um, you, you can't make certainty. I mean, that's what's interesting now about where the regulators are, both in the U.K. and potentially at the FTC here in the U.S., Jim. They're sort of making assumptions about the power of these large, very large megatech companies right. and what they okay. can do and how they can do it. Not based perhaps on, on past behavior and what they've seen, but at the same time, they're sort of trying to regulate markets that don't fully exist as yet. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of new terrain, but it doesn't mean... You know, that you don't have to try to figure out a way to traverse it if you're Microsoft. And, and again, uh, just, it would seem to be a very difficult path they have in front of them to do that. Uh, very narrow path, if you want to call it that. Right. Well, what a chance, David. I mean, if you believed in Activision Blizzard, I know it was a question on Squawk. I'm saying that there are arbitrageurs in here who don't really understand what Activision does. They're just arbitrageurs. Is it possible that there are people who finally just say, or ARBs, finally say enough already and they're dumping it right now, don't care about what Bobby Kotick said about how the company's doing? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think that there are going to be plenty of risk arbitrageurs who an event-related fund. This was the biggest deal that we've had in quite some time, so you could own a lot of it or choose not to. Uh, who perhaps have some positions and choose to sell. That said, let's not forget, Jim, that there's been an enormous spread in this deal from the very beginning for a reason. Uh, and the reason has been because of concern about regulators, both in the U.K., the E.U., and, of course, in the U.S. as well, saying, no, thank you. Um, so, you know, I'll leave it to you to tell me where you think the da- – you could have some selling that brings the downside lower, but the fundamental value I'll leave to you after I, I know what you believe was a good quarter. I watched Mad Money last night where you were talking about it. Um, but you do have to get ready for the idea that Bobby Kotick may be coming back to run this company uh, and what its fundamental value is going to be. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that Microsoft is not going to make efforts here to see what they can do. And they've got some time. You know, the final decision from CMA is not, is not for some time yet. Um, but it would appear, again, a very difficult, many difficult decisions for them to make. They may get a positive ruling from the EU that could conceivably help their case a bit. But, um, you know, it seems a lot more likely today, Jim, that Activision is going to be a public company, again, independent, run by Bobby Kotick. And then, again, I'll leave it to you to tell investors what that company is worth in the open market. Well, what makes me bullish on Activision Blizzard is, is they take two at a far inferior quarter. And yet the stock was up gigantically. So when you take a look at what Activision Blizzard did, which is just remarkable, 
blockbuster uh, Call of Duty and a couple of other games, Candy Crush crushing it. I say, David, that this is a liberating move for the shareholders. They've been in limbo, and it's time to buy more. I think that this is a terrific, maybe one of the best situations out there because the gaming business is starting to come back, and the best way to play it is the one that's the king, which is Activision Blizzard. So, Carl, I don't yeah. know. I really, I think this is a great opportunity. Well, uh, David's right. I mean, the spread has, for a long time, sort of led us to this moment. Right. Yesterday, we talked about Activision's value, demonstrating value as a standalone. And it's not like Microsoft doesn't have other priorities that are apparently important to them. Oh, my. I mean, talk about the lack of real real caring. And it, I mean, we are so into, into GPT. David, you know, it, it, well, let me ask you, could this just be a $60 billion distraction now from Microsoft? Sure. Although, you know, I, I, to, to an extent, though, they've been very dogged in, in pursuing it, Jim. Perhaps more so than That's you would true. have thought from the very beginning. They have been willing to meet the regulators. They have been willing to offer concessions. They have been willing to sit down and really consider things that you may not have thought they would have been willing to do to preserve the possibility of this deal going forward. So I think that's been a bit surprising, uh, how constructive they've tried to be, at least from what I've heard. Now, the CMA, uh, it's unclear that there was really a lot of back and forth, but there could be now. You know, the, the bigger takeaway as well, Jim, though, and we'll keep an eye on it, is just what can big tech really do? And not just in the U.S., but around the world. I mean, megatech, the big names that we all know. And is this yet another sign that it's very difficult for them to navigate, uh, even when they think they yes. have the law on their side? Right. I mean, look at Meta. They were trying to buy that. I, I was in this exercise app with, uh, with Zuckerberg, and the, the government didn't want that to merge. Well, you know, FTC didn't want it to merge. You know, Carl, we have a rebellion going on throughout governments, including right up to the president, uh, against the investor class. Uh, because investors are therefore, per se, uh, people who don't need to be protected uh, because they've made money. So the hell with them. Uh, we need to protect gamers over investors. The gaming class is that's a more protected class than the, than the investor class. Can I, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, I'm very worried about gamers. You know, Zeb FEMA was a Call of Duty champion. He's on my staff. And I was fretting the whole time about this case. <laughs> yes. I mean, who knows what I mean, could happen? Look, it's of a piece. Uh, look at the State of the Union. And oh, my. I felt taxes so- and... Uh, taxes on the wealthy, and yeah. I, I, don't, I don't see how any of this comes as a surprise. Nothing does better in polling, I guess, than bashing investors. Or is there a level where if you're a bad investor, you're okay because you haven't made a lot of money? Like, do, 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 they do you disagree that the last 30 years have seen the, the pendulum of GDP swing to capital at the expense of labor? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And maybe it's time to, to, set, you know, to reset the clock and get unions to do better. But one of the things I would say, Carl, is, is that we have 5 million jobs that are open. If you want to start right now, probably as an assistant manager at Burger King, you could probably start without just walking in. Not really. They have great. They have they have standards. But I'm just saying this is the moment for labor. So why do we have to therefore dump on capital? It, or it just pulls well. So you think it's piling on at this point? Yes, it pulls well. I mean, the, the, the people who have done well, there's not enough people who have done well. So why not back the people who haven't done as well? My problem is, is that we are, this is the greatest time for people who have not done well to become well. That like, let's not, when they get there, hit them over the head with a club. <laughs> well, the, the administration would say it's polling well because that's what the public wants. Well, okay, so let's, you know, <laughs> what can you do? I mean, you got to hit that level. I mean, last night, Brian Nickel, okay, we're talking about Chipotle. The $100,000 plus people are shop, are eating more Chipotle, but the under are not. So I guess we should, I mean, I, look, I was really poor at one time. And a lot of that was my own doing, because 
I took a job that didn't make a lot of money. Uh, I, I, the president is in favor of those, which is fine. Right. But I don't think it's the emphasis. And yet I, they got the biggest clap. Although, you know, when McCarthy, you ever see McCarthy when he's <laughs> There's been a lot of discussion of the optics of last night, for sure. Uh, Our thanks to David. Uh, David, safe travels on the road. We're going to be seeing him very soon, I guarantee you. When we come back, we'll talk more about uh, earnings in the consumer. Of course, we got Uber and Chipotle to get into, uh, going in opposite directions. A downgrade of Discover, upgrade of Amex. Later this hour, as we said, an exclusive with Yum Brands CEO David Gibbs on some of these comps at Taco Bell. Uh, Take a look at futures here. Very busy Wednesday setting up. We're back in a moment. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Some consumer-related names in the spotlight today. Let's begin with Uber, up sharply in the pre-market after the surprise profit and issuing some pretty upbeat guidance. Uh, gross bookings up 19 amid the easing pandemic. Uh, 2.1 billion trips, Jim. Uh, and, and they guide above on bookings uh, and adjusted. This was the quarter. Remember, it came public around 45. This was the quarter. This was the breakout quarter. It was even the freight business, which I've loved. I've been waiting for CDAT to do well. Freight was up 1.5 billion, up 43%. This was the strongest quarter. Uh, By the way, this is one of those releases where uh, Dara Costasari did an amazing job, but he was right to signal all the things that are working well because they have even, they're going to have $1 billion in ad revenue next year, this 2022. Gross bookings up 26%. Wow. This was, I mean, the stock, this is one of those where the stock's only up to. The stock's going to be up to, it's going to go to 40 today. I mean, this was a remarkable quarter. A clean, good beat. Yep. Uh, talked about uh, getting um, uh, Gap operating positive. Yes. In, the, in due course is what he said with Andrew Ross Sorkin earlier on Squawk. Take a listen. We are seeing menu inflation uh, in our eats business, and we've seen a little bit of the number of orders in a basket come down. So maybe people are ordering a little bit less in a response to menu inflation. But it looks like that menu inflation is subsiding. In other words, it's not getting any worse. It's not getting any better. His point was um, not really seeing weakness in consumer. On the other hand, some of the drivers say the reason they're participating is because of inflation. Well, look, inflation is still not great at the wage level. It's beginning to creep up again in used cars. I mean, it's like whack-a-mole. It's aluminum. We got to hit that copper shortage. But I would say that we're at this moment where people are no longer saying, you know what, I expect my wages to go up 10 percent. I think they're saying, you know, wages could be peaking here. Not yet. I also find that when you look like, say, DuPont, which is up really big, I mean, they've raised price, raise, price, raise, price, and now the raw costs are going down. How long will people tolerate price increases? This is the Costco dilemma. 
where Rich Galanti, the CFO, just to say, you know, see, we're going back to all these companies that raise prices and say, you know what, we see that we see what you're doing, well, and you're not going to get away with that it. That kind of leads us to Chipotle, where transactions were down four, uh, and pricing was up 13. The fourth quarter was very tough for them. But the first quarter, they're talking about 10%. Some people say that's because it's lapping an easy Omicron compare. But I believe them when they say that 2023, they're set up to do well. I think you have to think about 2023, not that fourth quarter. And it is indeed, I yes, I hate to use the term because it's so Wall Street, a buying opportunity. Because they've said already that things have started better. They've raised price. And they have co- you know, they've accepted the fact that there's a lower end that's not going to come. That's something that Chile said. Mm. I saw I had Hockman on the CEO. He just said, look, the lower end's not coming, but the higher end is spending their darn fool heads off. You talked to Nickel about this last night. Yeah. Take a listen. The resistance to the pricing that we've taken, we've seen very little show up uh, in our business. Obviously, we reset our delivery business throughout the course of 2022. I think we're now at the right economics so that that can be an ongoing proposition. And I thought it was important to get that reset so that it was set up for success going forward. There it is. Now, I, I got to tell you, uh, if you've not used delivery, delivery is really expensive. It's like a tax on your burrito. And I think that what people, the delivery use is down dramatically. Now, some of the analysts were upset about that. They said, well, we thought you were going to be more digitized. But Brian's saying people come to the stores. That's even better. And by the way, I, I, I think that it, between a customer who is digitized and a customer who's on premise, they want this to happen. So I'm um, not that you necessarily want a tax. Boy, the president did not address the breeder tax. <laughs> That's what he missed. He missed that tax. Um, it's on the rich. And, you know, yes. If you're wealthy, you have to agree to be taxed you, you, more on your burrito. You don't burrito. eat tortilla chips hire, if you're wealthy. Higher burrito wealth tax. Actually, there's a great piece uh, in uh, one of the trades today about uh, Chipotle's uh, technological experimentation, things like robotics, that, uh, an arm that will do the deep fried but tortilla. They, they said that was going to be done already. And it's not. Now, they can get rid of that one person uh, who does uh, frying, whatever. But I think the chat GPT as, is the way to go. Because chat, you should never have a person answering the phone. That's ludicrous. Drive through, same thing. And, and the Chipotle. Why would you have a I discussed this with Jensen Wong, who's the CEO of NVIDIA, by the way, which is behind all of this. Can we just own that? NVIDIA is all of it. Because if you notice, one of the key lines is that they now think it defies Moore's law. Well, hold it just a second. We've got a CEO, nice guy, Pat Gelsier at Intel, about Moore's law, because Gordon Moore, who founded Intel, yeah. they're throwing out Moore's law. They're saying we can go much faster. And so I don't know why, if you go much faster, why would you want the person, a person on the other end at the Chipotle? We need 27 different language person who never makes a mistake. And it's not a real person. Especially in that business where the throughput is everything. They will not, not one of these, I'm going to ask Dave Gibbs, the CEO of, he better come, he he, he better be ready for my question about chat GPT. (laughs) And I'm not talking about Big Bear AI here or SoundHound as much as those are the blue chip AI news. We are going to talk to David Gibbs of Yum in just a few minutes. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash countdown to the opening bell. Take a look at futures here. Opening bell is coming up in just about 10 minutes. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast. 
generating texts in seconds thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magirite is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. Watching some uh, NDX laggards today. You're going to see Alphabet at the top as the conversation continues to pivot around chat GPT, open AI, language-based uh, modeling, and artificial intelligence. We'll see what uh, they have to offer later uh, this week, I think. And then Activision Blizzard, you see down 3% on news we've already covered. Opening bell coming up in a few moments, and don't forget, you can catch us anytime, anywhere. Just listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. Let's get Kramer's mad dash as we count down to the opening bell. Subscription revenues are what people want. It doesn't matter what business. Everybody wants sticky subscription, whether it be YouTube for Alphabet. They want that. Uh, you know, Apple wants digital. Well, the one that is really doing it and killing it is New York Times. They have delivered and delivered. This Meredith Levy, who I've got, got to meet a couple times, what a rock star. And the bundle's selling well. Yes, digital advertising's not doing well. So what? They are raising dividend. I mean, geez, I remember when this company was so on the ropes. This is a stock that is inexpensive. And I don't think people are paying much attention to it because they're not looking at the change in digital, which is so gigantic, up 31% up the, for this year over year. So I, the ad revenue, yes, okay, ad revenue is bad, about 0.6. Everyone knows ad revenue is bad, but it's a gem. And I think people don't think of it as a, as a stock while they look at it online. Well, even that chart right there is not reflecting uh, some indications where it will open up 6%. Yeah, I mean, people just kind of, like, people seem to forget it. And yet it's signing up a lot of people. Is Athletic doing well? That's, to me, I would not have done that acquisition. But the fact is, is that this is a company that is cashing in on subscriptions at a time when subscriptions are king. You think it's, uh, you think it's puzzles to some extent? At, well, the bundle. They like the bundle. Yeah, I, mean, so I just they, mean Wordle and all, I think all the properties. I think that's a way to go. I think that's part of it. I also think what's part of it is is the fact that you know it's it's a worldwide paper. I mean, it's how people get their news. And I used to think that it was the left wing. Some people used to say that. Uh uh-uh. uh But the fact is, is that it's the way people start their day worldwide, much more than they ever could with the with paper. And I just my hats off to them. I I too felt that they could be an endangered species a newspaper, but they are a paper of record with some good puzzles. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. What more do you need to be? Um, certainly, I mean, remember the days where publishers oh. were being forced to give away product. That is Oh, gone. and that no one was taking the subscription. Look, if I had, if I were New York Times, I'd be covering the world with, with, with salespeople because it is the paper of record uh, more than it's ever been in terms of the world. Maybe not in terms of the old days. You know, it's interesting. If you talk to people right now uh, in in media, there's a sense that, as you say, programmatic is is troublesome. But the direct ad model where you deal with an agency and it's face-to-face buying and there's there's an upfront, there's a sense that maybe they don't want to get left behind if the economy does better. I think that's absolutely right. Now, by the way, in the lawsuit that the uh, Justice Department is bringing against Google, against Alphabet, the the idea is, is that these companies, the publishers don't know how much Google's really taking, and it's exorbitant. It's it, 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 these guys are really being hurt by Google and programmatic. Uh, I don't know. I haven't heard Google's side. I'm waiting to hear that. But the New York Times has it's it's it is such a gem that they can have those conversations. 
Uh, take a look at that chart now. Now, as you can see, reflecting some of the pre-market action. Uh, get the opening bell here and the CNBC Real-Time Exchange of the big board. It's Canadian gold miner Alamos Gold celebrating 20 years. At the NASDAQ, it's our colleagues at NBC Universal. They're celebrating their third annual tech developer conference, 123. You'll see Lindy Acarino. She's our chair of global advertising and partnerships. Greg Robinson is our EVP, Chief Diversity Officer. You'll also see Apple's co-founder, Steve Wozniak, who I'm going to host a fireside chat with this afternoon. Congratulations. That will be a lot of fun. And, uh, he always comes to play. Yes. And MSNBC anchor, uh, Stephanie Rule, along with some of our other colleagues, probably Mark Marshall in there, Christian Batia, Maggie Chan. Uh, we know all these people. They do great Fantastic. work. Hey, we, we rely on those guys. Oh, absolutely. No, look, we're a great team. We have a great team. Uh, I think that the as much as I like the New York Times, obviously, and the bundle that we have, it's pretty fabulous. I got to know what you thought yesterday of Microsoft, not the ATVI stuff, but this Bing chat and the Microsoft Edge and Nadella's, I guess, framing of what how we're going to begin to think about these new tools. Well, I do think that Microsoft has owned Bing, and Bing has not been, uh, let's say, it's just a poor number two. And this takes this business that was really not doing well and makes it so that they're the one of choice. I mean, why wouldn't you say, book me a vacation in Mexico, give me your itinerary. I want to be in Mexico City and San Miguel de Allende. And it, it does that. Well, that's a big game change because right now Google's on, on its heels if they pull this off. It's really incredible. I mean, my chapel trust owns, owns Alphabet. I've never been more worried about Alphabet than at this very moment. Uh, never. Interesting. We, they're, on, they're on the run. Uh, by the way, a bunch of t- uh, price upgrades on Microsoft today. Oppie goes to 280. Piper goes to 290. Jeffries, 310. And Nadella did talk about this at length uh, yesterday uh, in Redmond. Take a listen. We start in with already a business that is profitable. And here's the interesting thing. The most profitable, large software business is search. So I look at this and say, look, I just have to earn one user at a time, an incremental GM. I've never, ever felt this liberated in terms of opportunity in the days ahead. He, I mean, he compared it to the advent of cloud. You know, <laughs> I thought that was impressive. Especially, hey, you know what? That's good because their Azure did quite poorly this quarter. <laughs> uh, of course, they'll just they'll say, listen, even though where it is, it went off a of high base. Look, I, I do think that this is a very profitable company, and the conversation has radically changed from where it was uh, in the third week of January when we were worried about Azure slowing from 35 to 30. And now you, people can't get enough of Microsoft. They recognize that it could be a big growth stock again. Search is pretty much a monopoly. Uh, it, we know that uh, that Google makes a huge amount of money off the ads when you call up something. And that's what's going to be really hurt. This is the inventor's dilemma, as they say. I mean, if you if Google takes it up, then you will not look on your screen. You'll just talk. And it would have all these different options. And you won't know those options. And a lot of people are paying a lot of money to be in that option. And I would just say, let's stop paying. At Bar San Miguel, which I given to my manager, I would say, listen, no more, because we won't come at the top. Give me a good Mexican restaurant near this subway stop, Chipotle. (laughs) Not to mention the incremental CapEx cost and pressure on margin that it would take to offer a product. I don't know what you look. Google's going to have a product and they're very smart people and they probably have a very good way work around to what I just said Uh, or else it's not a good stop. It's not a good stop. Um, 
We're seeing quite a nice little run here in some travel names, Jim. Uh, the airlines, we do have an upgrade of RCL today in the wake of their quarter. Uh, B of A goes to neutral. Uh, but they go from uh, 40 to 78 on oh, RCL. That was amazing, but that's that wave season. And I love this American Express. Uh, Uber number one, Supremo, you betcha, uh, recommendation. And the stock was up two bucks early on. Now it's barely up. People should go buy American Express. They had an absolutely great quarter. There's Morgan Stanley number, and the piece is, is superb. It's interesting. I mean, her point is um, that the jobs number was great, but right. in aggregate, the consumer is facing tough debt levels, and they, that's why they downgrade Discover. But I always say, listen, you have to balance the debt levels. Yes, and they, they don't have a strong consumer. You have to balance the debt levels against the job increases. And American Express has a lot of cachet with people who are younger than people who work on Wall Street. They should all call their children and see whether they use American Express. Because there's a new cohort that Squirry has got. It's not just a small business person. It's how many people take the card. And that's been lost in the shuffle about worry about debt. Meantime, if we're really worried about debt, what's J.P. Morgan doing and having this historic run? I mean, come on. Look at Wells Fargo. What that stock has done in the last six weeks? I think the worry about debt should be extended to the banks or forgotten. And I think that forgot, American Express is doing incredibly well. So is the, is, the, is the financial move based on a better delinquency portfolio or picture? I think or, so. Or, in, or is it a, a rethink of net interest income? Well, look, net interest income is going to be good. But what I think people are rethinking right now is if everybody can get a job, how bad can the loan situation be? I mean, if there's 5 million jobs out there to be had and you have a credit card, well, can't you do something about it now? Uh, Sharon Emerson did a report which says that the fees denounced at 20%, which is like when you're a loan shark, not that I've been one, but I've been on the other side of it. I mean, the loan shark was offering me, he said, listen, it's 20%. I was like, no, no, I'm not paying 20%. This was on a kind of a situation where I was a little not as well off. But Lincoln wasn't you. Remember, Lincoln called it the national debt. That's what he called his bankruptcy proceeding. Um, But I do think that 20% is kind of north of what I think most people expected yeah, to pay. Yeah, I think that they would think that's predatory. Yes, um, the president talked about that. Yes. I think the president, what is he, does he want to eliminate, what does he want to eliminate? Uh, fossil fuels? Classic what? loan sharking. No, we're going to give them a decade. Give them a, <laughs> give them a decade. You think of your mic work. You, you okay, your mic work. You have this company that you run, right? It's called Chevron. It's kind of the old, old Standard Oil California, right? It's a decent company, $328 billion. And you're listening and you say, oh, you're watching because Oh, i got 10 more years before the company goes under. <laughs> wow, what a break. You know, is, is that how he's doing? Is it Mike worth saying, oh, I thought I could put me out of business now. No, i got a decade. Does he, like, go to his wife and say, they gave me a decade? It's not exactly an incentive to produce, is it? Well, I don't think you want to put a big you know, carbon capture situation up there that's going to kick in in 2030 when you know you're filing Chapter 11. Does he say, wow, I'm bed bath. If they take it up, I can offer stock. <laughs> Uh, by the way, speaking of cars, really quick, uh, Adam Jonas with a little note on Tesla today. Uh, Jim saying that interest in the name, at least uh, from clients, has uh, has eased uh, given the run it's had. But he thinks that maybe Investor Day, March 1, uh, we get a new spark. He should watch Phil, Phil LeBeau, who had this fabulous piece today about how it's the number one car in California. I, I don't get that on we at all. Uh, Remember, he did, I, my chapel starts on sports, so I'm going to talk against my book for a second. He did upgrade Ford here. Uh, it's kind of been all over the map on, on Ford. Yeah, well, he's fun. Yeah. 
He's the most fun analyst. I mean, if we had like a Hall of Fame analyst of fun, bingo, right in. Grandfather. Yes. Grandfather the fun analyst. As we said, Jonas is unique. Uh, CVS, Jim, by the way, uh, not just the uh, uh, the Oak Street Health deal, uh, but the quarter as well. Uh, retail like comps up almost eight. Why is that stock down here? It sells it you know, nine times earnings. The comps are great. And I just say that my friend Sarah Eisen has Karen Lynch on today. And if you sell this stock before Karen speaks, you're out of your mind. Karen's got the best story out there. I mean, you know, look, yes, you have to ask her about the fact that it's easier to get a product from Amazon to your door than it is to get the person to open a plastic lid. Yes. But I do think she had a great quarter. It's uh, a great quarter. Yeah, there have been some comments, um, I think, from WBA that maybe uh, that shrinkage problem was overstated at, uh, in the, back in the time we worried about theft. Well, that would be terrific. I know that if you go on Amazon and you look at saws, you'll see a Home Depot brand not from Home Depot. So I'm not sure whether it's really uh, shrinkage is overstated. You can sell it. It's right on Amazon. But I think that CVS captured the person who got the vaccine. And they got them to like CVS. And by the way, the, the acquisition that was done by Mr. Merlot of, of Aetna is playing out pretty well. They are a wellness company. Ever since they got rid of, remember he came here and he said, look, we're getting rid of tobacco because it's antithetical to being a wellness Merlo? company. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought that was great that, that he did that. That was an important day. That was, yeah, look, I'm taking, I'm taking a $2 billion hit because I think that we should be at, well, he said, wait, because I think we should be a health company. And that was it. That was terrific. Then the stock language between 40 and 60 for a long time. Lisa Gill and I, she, JP Morgan, we used to go back and forth. What are we missing? What are we missing? Missing nothing. And I think that Karen Lynch has just continued uh, the goodness of that company. Really quick, uh, the re- news in retail is not great. Capri's down double digits. Oh, my God. That was a horrible uh, quarter. BF Corp cuts the dividend, oh, that was a cuts the guide. Quarter. Under Armour had Good a quarter. decent decent result. Footwear up 25. Um, and well, I, uh, 16 cents beats nine. You know, but. A plank is saying... I mean, you know, I, of course, I mean to go to Plank because, you know, I just think he's waiting for him to come back. You know, he's just saying, you know, strength, just strength, strength. He's, uh, but Capri, we should go over Capri. Worst quarter of the season so far. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Chu down 5-6. That's the end of toe cleavage as far as I'm concerned. Versace, my, what I said, uh, Capri minus six. Uh, Michael Kors down 7.2. I got a great Michael Kors uh, bag um, right in here in Chinatown, yeah. Bowery. And, and inventory still up 21, which no, no, is no. an improvement. It, 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 it was, I want to put this in the bad category. Just bad. And I was really surprised. VF, at least Ben Odor gave you hope because he cut the dividend, but North Face was good. Uh, Jan, they're going to sell Jansen. Uh, Van's still bad. Ben is going to do a good job. Used to be a Clorox. All right. Well, let's talk about something. Let's see if that's moving up. I'm tired of these consumer brands getting killed. Uh, let's talk about Yum. Because this is one that everybody knows, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, right? I mean, we like all these. We like KFC. I kind of like very much. Young Brands beating expectations this morning, strengthened by same-store sales growth. at Taco Bell, by the way, which was double-digit. Joining us now exclusively, Young Brands CEO David Gibbs. David, it's always great to see you. Good quarter. With you guys. Yeah, it was a fantastic quarter. You saw the results. I'm glad you pointed out that plus 11% at Taco Bell. Top line was growing across all of our brands. Um, But we talked about this, Jim, right after our investor day. The development results were through the roof. We opened 1,300 net new units for the quarter, 4,500 gross units for the year. Let's put that in context. For the last two years, we've opened 8,600 gross new units. If that was a 
chain, it would be a top 10 global chain in the world. We opened that just in two years. Well, David, I thought it was interesting that your, it was actually your CFO, Chris Turner, talked about how can I miss this digital strategy, conversational commerce and TikTok. Now, do they really play a role or is it just something you like to say, ah, yeah, everybody has it? Uh, we're doing a ton of stuff on digital, as you know, and that's what drove a lot of our results in the fourth quarter. Our digital sales for the year were up. They were 24 billion. That's from 12 billion back in 2019 before the pandemic. We've quietly been making investments in digital and technology behind the scenes, shifting massive amounts of GNA and uh, artificial intelligence uh, investments in companies like Dragon Tail that we bought 18 months ago to make the efficiency of our kitchens uh, much more of part of the equation and the efficiency of our drivers on the road. Uh, it's a big part of what we're doing. And uh, TikTok is a company that we bought uh, that does conversational ordering for customers, not to be confused with TikTok. No, okay. Well, it's in the release, talked. I guess that was just bad translation there. Now, what I, I do, I, I'm amazed about, there is commodity inflation and pockets of labor shortage, and yet you are able to overcome these. We all know that it's hard to find workers. How are you doing it? Uh, the good news is uh, I think we're past the peak challenges of inflation and uh, challenges on uh, labor. We are seeing applications up. Uh, but, of course, the best thing to do about staffing your restaurants is keep the workers that you have. So we're all about retaining and creating career paths for the employees in our restaurants. You know that so many of our great franchisees around the world started as a team member. So we have that pathway for everybody, which is very attractive. Uh, and then on the inflation front, uh, you know, inflation, inflation really is moderating for us as we go into 2023. We're really expecting in the U.S. at least low um, to mid single digit inflation. So it really sets up as a nice operating environment for all of our brands with the momentum we have coming out of the fourth quarter in 2022. Hey, David, uh, third-party delivery. I saw a note this morning uh, that a year ago, pizza had five transactions per store from third-party. At the end of the year, it was 50. I just wonder what you think that trajectory looks like. It's really amazing how well the Pizza Hut U.S. team has played that, the third-party delivery piece. Of course, we have self-delivery, and we're experts at that, and it's a big part of our business. But by opening our business to the aggregators and having third-party delivery in the business, we're accessing new customers. And you can see when we can drive 50 transactions a week in our stores from that new channel, that's really helpful to the overall business. We'll always be self-delivering and we'll always be working with our aggregator partners together. It's a great uh, partnership. All right, Dave, let me uh, posit something. We know that Chipotle did not have a great fourth quarter. Uh, There's a deceleration, talking about 5%. You did 11% in Taco Bell. Now, I know that Chipotle's lifestyle, Chipotle's considered to be a different category, but you've maintained your price point. It's a very inexpensive meal. Is there any chance you are taking share from Chipotle. Look, I think Taco Bell in particular is taking share from everybody when you put up results like they're putting up with 11% growth in the quarter. And that's because of the, uh, the appeal of the brands. Fourth quarter was driven a lot by the Mexican pizza. As you know, we brought that uh, iconic product back with great success. But the buzz that that created around the brand was probably more important than the sales of the actual product. And that's what the team is expert on, creating buzz. And that's why they're winning in the category right now. And it's not just uh, same-store sales growth at existing units. We're starting to set records on new unit development. We passed a thousand new taco, a thousand Taco Bells outside the United States 
uh, opening up 400 of those just in the last two years. 40% of our international Taco Bells just in the last two years. And those numbers are going up as we move forward. So I think I, we're I taking think share what, all around the world. This is what I think is one of the more interesting dynamics of the whole business right now is that when you, if you have the comps, you can afford to step on the gas on unit growth. Uh, and I just wonder how much more aggressive can you be and what does it mean for marketing spend? Look, I, I think you're exactly right. Now's the time to be investing behind our brands. Um, our, the, the most important thing when it comes to development, Carl, of course, is the returns that our franchise partners are getting. Yum China on their call last night talked about the fact that they're getting two and three year cash paybacks on building new KFCs and Pizza Huts. You know, we're having similar experiences around the world with franchisees getting great returns from building new units. So it's not a hard sell to partner with them to uh, keep taking our development numbers up and up. Uh, and then as far as the marketing spend, you know, I think the exciting thing in the world of marketing is just what you know, the artificial intelligence and our data and analytics teams can do to help improve our marketing spend. We bought a company called Quantum couple of years ago that is going around the world working with our marketing teams to optimize our marketing spend and make our digital spend even more effective for us. So we have lots of things driving the business right now, all moving in the right direction. Okay, so David, yesterday we had actually a very conversational Fed chief who revealed himself as actually, of course, being far more than when he comes off in the conference calls. If you were sitting down with him, would you say, you know what, uh, Chief it's not happening. The prices are not coming down. As a matter of fact, we're going to have to do more wage increases this year. We have more uh, problems with food. I don't know what's happened, but your price, your your Fed fund rate increases just haven't worked for us. Look, the environment um, and the lens that we have on the economy is obviously limited. I can tell you what we see. What we see is an environment that sets up well for our brands. Uh, if we're talking about the U.S., um, but generally around the world as well. Uh, we are seeing wage pressure come down. We're seeing applications go up. As I mentioned, we're seeing inflation moderating. And 2023 is actually setting up to be more of a more normal year um, without any kind of uh, un undue challenges, at least at this part in the year. So, uh, you know, we like the environment that we're operating in right now. Boy, David, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is one that maybe it's happening. Well, look, no matter what, you're doing terrifically, and we're thrilled that you have a, thrilled to have you on the show. It was a very, very good quarter. Don't react to the stock. The stock's had a run. David Gibbs, who is the CEO of Young Brands. Thank you. Thanks, guys. As we go to break today, time for the Bond Report. We're going to, as we said, we're going to get a bunch of Fed speak today. Williams, Cook, Bostic, Kashkari, uh, Waller later on today. Uh, we've seen a bit of a mixed picture on the curve today. You see the two-year back below 446. Dow down 50 to start this Wednesday. Back in a moment. 4150 continues to have a bit of a magnetic pull uh, as the S&P is coming off of the first winning day in four. Uh, Dow down about 66 as uh, we got a bunch of consumer earnings today and some big media names tonight. Stop trading with Jim's coming up. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Well, the layoffs continue. Just suppose this was something that, that David Gibbs said. Uh, which is that basically they have, they have a lot of people applying. This time, Zoom 1300. Now, Zoom is a very good balance sheet, but Eric Duan's a little challenged there. Does a good job, but uh-uh. And then eBay 500. These are, it just seems like every day there's somebody who lays off. Now, uh, maybe they feel that their stock goes up immediately, a la 
uh, Mark Zuckerberg, but it's really not like that. Zuckerberg also has the growth of Instagram, which allowed him to do that, and the growth of Reels. So we have to watch the layoffs and not necessarily presume, Carl, that they're positive. Is it a surprise that we're not getting the layoff bounce, so to speak? I mean, uh, you know, this, these are the companies that have no growth now. Uh, people are really overlooking the Zuckerberg. He got very lucky that Instagram really did roaring back at the same roaring back at the same time that. He fired people in really a reduction in force. Most of the companies don't want to do reduction in force because they're afraid, like Amazon, that they might actually have their service dented. So I'd say watch this. The layoffs continue. But remember, if you work at Meta, you can go right over to Raytheon, which is looking for people, a lot of people. Yeah. By the way, really quick, you, uh, your comments on Google got absorbed quickly. Uh, shares down almost 7% here as there's this sense, as you said, that they are scrambling. Well, they... It is existential. Uh, I don't know how you can keep the small business person on uh, an app where the where the top selection gets. It's winner take all now, loser take none. Before it was like winner take some and then second winner and third winner. They have to show how they can handle a device that only gives you one winner and then you don't look at the ads. The ads are where people, that's the vig. The golden goose. Yes, it is. Tonight? Okay, I've got uh, Agco. I love the ag theme. And then um, the person who's probably created more jobs in this country than anyway, I've got the Commerce Secretary, Tina Raimondo. <laughs> and this is the CHIPS Act. We're going to start to get the details. Oh, my God. She, I saw her last night. The thing I said, that, she's going to be on the show tonight. She's remarkable. Uh, by, by the way, both sides, they all like her, and I hope that doesn't hurt her. <laughs> is that okay? <laughs> we'll find out. So, and by the way, some people in the investing class have been benefited by her. So. Yes. Uh, Jim, we'll see you tonight. This is it. I watched the whole show, the speech like this. I surrender. I surrender. I've done well. Bad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. When we come back, a lot more on Microsoft's takeover of Activision as the U.K. regulators say the deal could harm gamers as the Dow's down 35. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.